Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. Greetings. I'm Gary Wolfel, and I'm elated to be joined tonight again by Rob Reichel, who, as you might know, has already written eight books on the Green Bay Packers, and I fully expect to see another eight books written by Rob Reichel. Rob, how are you doing? I, w- I wish my wife and family was as, as excited to see me as you, Gary. I, I love that term, elated. So. <laughs> there you go. Well, I, you're... I got that kind of welcome every time I came through the door. It, things would probably operate a lot smoother in my house, Gary. There you go. I, I, I can send them an email and, and send <laughs> them straight, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, uh, hey, the uh, NFL trading deadline uh, passed on Tuesday afternoon, and surprise, surprise, the uh, Green Bay Packers didn't do anything. Of course, neither did the vast majority of teams in the NFL. But, you know, some of the good good teams, the Super Bowl contending teams did. Seattle, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Kansas City got in the mix a little bit, and none of them made blockbuster moves, but they made moves that uh, definitely upgraded their team. And, Rob, your uh, gut feelings, uh, or not gut feelings, but just your perspective of what the Packers did or didn't do pertaining to the uh, trading deadline. Yeah, Gary, I just put a story up at, at Forbes.com saying they blew it. And that's really how I feel. And and here's the gist why. They had about $7 million in cap space to play with. So mm-hmm. they could have been extremely creative. They have three fourth-round draft picks next year as well. So they had the draft capital and they had the money in the cap space to go and get something done. And, and they didn't. And here's why, Gary, that this season is so imperative and, and important to the Packers. They are in absolute cap hell next year. And I don't, I don't think the average fan understands just, just how bad their cap situation is looking ahead to 2021. But they've only got 36 guys under contract. And those 36 guys take them within $4 million of the projected cap. Is they're that top, right? Wow. Their top that. five guys, Gary, coming back next year salary-wise, are going to gobble up 55% of the cap money. <laughs> Their top 10 are going to gobble up 75% of the cap money. Uh, and, and, and that's before they even attempt to sign a Bakhtiari, an Aaron Jones, a Corey Lindsley, a Kevin King. They're not going to bring all those guys back, Gary. They might not bring any of them back. Um, and they may have to clear cap space. When I talk about those top five guys sucking up 55% of the cap, there's 20 million going to Zadarius Smith next year in terms of his salary cap number, and 16 going to Preston. Gary, I, I'm of the firm belief one of those guys is going to be gone. Um, mm-hmm. They're not going to bring back these free agents. Other guys like Rick Wagner and Billy Turner, Adrian Amos, who are in your top 10 paid players for next year, they might have to get rid of one or two of those guys to stay under the cap. So my point, Gary, is they will not be as good in 2021 as they will in 2020. They're going to have to clear a lot of cap room and then bring in a lot of the Chris Barneses of the world, guys that are making the league minimum, to fill out their roster. Now, this is why I love talking to you every week about the Packers. <laughs> good, good stuff. Uh, you're right. The, the vast majority of readers probably don't understand that they are in cap hell. And, they they um, are in absolute cap hell. So I really thought it was a now or never kind of trade deadline for general manager Brian Gutekunst. I thought he – 
absolutely had to get something done now, or they probably were never going to get it done here with Aaron Rodgers. Because, you know, I've said this on the podcast several times. By 2022, I fully expect that to be Jordan Love. They're going to clear out about $23 million of cap room by going to Jordan Love in 2022. So you're really looking at this season and next season in all likelihood with Aaron Rodgers. And next season, Green Bay is going to have a really hard time putting the kind of product on the field that they've done here the last couple of years, 13-3 and last season, and then this group coming back again this year. The money was there. The draft capital was there, Gary, for them to add a wide receiver like a Will Fuller from the Texans mm-hmm. to go and look for a defensive lineman. Everybody saw the Minnesota game, and, and I think Dalvin Cook is still running for touchdowns over there <laughs> in, in Lambeau Field. Do you think um, every running back just, like, salivates when they look at their schedule and say, my goodness, we're, we're playing the Packers on Sunday? Every running back and every fantasy football owner who has a running back about to play the Packers, right, Gary? I, I would think Dalvin Cook won a lot of people their their fantasy games on on Sunday. But but yeah, same same thing for a running back and and an offensive coordinator. There, there was no secret in that game. I mean, it's it's crazy. Cousins threw the ball fourteen times. It was kind of like Garoppolo throwing the ball eight times in the NFC Championship. Well, was Never. that basically Scott Hunter? It and- was. Yeah. MacArthur Lane and John Brockington. Well, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure some of our our young podcast listeners are going to understand that reference. But you'll send them to a history book, which is a good exactly. Thing. We're we're here to educate, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, you know. But just but back to the trading deadline. I, I it really everything lined up this year. I thought for Gutekunst to 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 make a move to give Matt Lafleur some help. There's there's some reports out there that that the head coach today was, was banging the drum, uh, asking for help. And there was, there was some internal friction inside the organization that, you know, Lafleur wanted help. The guys upstairs weren't so sure that they wanted to part with a draft pick to go ahead and, and do it. I, I, I'm fully of the belief that Will Fuller was not worth a second round draft pick. I, you know, that he's the guy most prominently mentioned right now with the Packers. He's hurt half the games, kind of like Kevin King. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, the, on that side of the ball. So he's not a reliable player. He becomes a free agent at the end of the 2020 season. But I, I would think if, if you stayed on the line with that football team long enough, a uh, Houston Texans team that's whatever, one and six, two and five, whatever they are, a team going nowhere fast, and they know they're going to lose him come next March, that you could have eventually come to some type of agreement for a fourth or whatever it was, or, or checked around the rest of the league. Because, Gary, the way – the way the Packers are currently constructed with, with one legitimate wide receiver on that roster mm-hmm. and the holes they have uh, on, on the defensive front seven when it comes to stopping the run, they are such a flawed football team. They'll probably win 11 or 12 games and win their division. They might even win a playoff game. But when they run into a Seattle, a Tampa Bay, maybe a New Orleans, whoever it is in the playoffs, Gary, they're probably going to go out right there. To me, Gary, a piece or two away from really contending for an NFC championship, and, and Gutekunst dropped the ball. He didn't get it done, and and I just I think the way the rest of this year shapes up has to be really depressing for Packer Nation and for Packer fans because I I think they fully understand they're going to see what they've seen here the better part of the last decade. They're going to see a team that wins 11, 12 games, mm-hmm. wins the NFC North, maybe wins a playoff game, and then probably goes out in the second round of the playoffs, which in a lot of cities is a great year. I mean, Jacksonville, 
right, would, would jump at that. <laughs> yeah. uh, the L.A. Chargers, the Bengals, the Jets, they jump at that kind of stuff, wouldn't they, Gary? Not oh, absolutely. The, the, the bar Green. is raised clearly in yep. Green Bay. You know what I mean? Yep. It's it, measured it, by it, championships. And, yeah. and let's be honest, uh, football smart and savvy people can w- look at this team and look at this roster and watch them every Sunday and understand this is not a championship football team. Yeah. You know, I, I, I totally agree with everything you said, but I'll tell you what, I, I still would have pulled the trigger and let's recap the number two picks by the Packers in the last two years. Okay. And so you're saying Gary, you would have given up a two. For abso- absolutely. In, okay. in, in, in most instances, I would have totally agreed with you, but you, like you said, the window is short. It is. I, I'm all in. You, you got to make a run when you can. And, you know, just uh, talking about the Milwaukee Bucks, I, I've talked to several people around the NBA who said that, you know what, the Bucks had a chance to sign Malcolm Brogdon. They didn't. It cost them a championship. You know, yeah. you, you just can't penny pinch in, in big, big situations. But uh, anyways, going back to second-round picks since uh, 2010, okay? Mike Neal, okay? Randall Cobb, Jarrell Worthy, Eddie Lacy. Devontae Adams, Quentin Rollins, repeat, Quentin Rollins, <laughs> Jason Spriggs, Josh Jones, repeat, Josh Jones, uh, Josh Jackson, and then we had Jenkins and Dylan the last two years. Now, there, there's no doubt about Devontae Adams. There's no doubt about Jenkins. Go After, through those again. Go, Gary, go through those again real quick. Let's give them a grade because okay. I think they hit on half of them. And don't forget, too, Jordy Nelson was a two – in 08. Yeah, but um, I, I just went back to 210. I figured no, no, no. I, I'm, just, okay. I'm just thinking out loud because they've really hit it with second-round wide receivers. They hit Cobb. Yes, they hit Adams, absolutely. They hit Nelson. And even, and even if you go back to 06, that's Greg Jennings. And they really hit it there as well. Okay. Mike Neal. C minus. Exactly. Randall Cobb. Probably an A minus. I agree. Jarrell Worthy. F. Yep. Eddie Lacy. I'll give, I'll give him a B, B minus because he had A for two years and a D for two years. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'd agree with that grade, Gary B minus. Okay. Devonte Adams, a plus. A, yep. <laughs> uh, Quentin Rollins. F. Yeah. I was going to say D and, and I'm being charitable. Uh, Spriggs. F. Yep. Although he, he's resurrected his career in Chicago. Jones. Josh Jones. F. Yep. Josh Jackson. The verdict's slightly out, but I'd give him a D at this point. Yep. Jenkins. A B. Yeah, I'll even be, like I said, I'm way too charitable. I'll give him a B plus. <laughs> I think he's awfully good. Dylan, jury's out. Jury's out, yep. Okay, so the bottom line is it's hit and miss. You got some great picks like Devontae Adams, you know, Randall Cobb, uh, Jenkins. But you got a lot of bad bad picks there too, right? And 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 my theory is that hey, Fuller is a proven player. He's a proven commodity, and if he can put you at least in the NFC Championship, <laughs> I am more than happy to give up that second round pick. I, I I'm not opposed to that theory at all. I guess Gary, it, it's it's a lot to give up. I I will say that because they've, like we kind of touched on there. If if you do hit it. Those three, those three or four wide receivers we just brought up, right? Mm-hmm. Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, and, and obviously Devontae are, are probably four of the 
10 or 15 best receivers in franchise history, mm -hmm. right? Now, Te now, Ted was unbelievable at finding those receivers. In fact, all those guys we just outlined there are, are Ted's picks. Ted also found James Jones in the third and, and Jermichael Finley in the third. So Ted had a real knack for finding pass catchers on a whole. Gutekunst hasn't showed that. You remember the one year he went all in on, on wide receivers mm -hmm. with, with MVS and, yep. and St. Brown. Brown, and, right. Yep, and he, he, the other kid that they, are, they cut after a year. Boy, he, he hasn't been able to find him the way Ted has. It's tricky. Gary, I mean, I – I think what they're really doing is that they're going all in for 2022, 2023. They're going to, they're going to load up on draft picks. They're going to, they're going to save a lot of cap money when they move on from Rogers and, and some of these other high priced guys that'll come off the books. And, and they're going to try to put a lot of studs around Jordan love and, and become a run first operation. And Gutekunst just doesn't want to part with those draft picks that he views as absolute gold to help him go ahead and do this. I, I don't know if internally they just say, you know what, a Will Fuller is not going to get us over the hump, right? We're not going to beat Pittsburgh. We're not going to beat the Chiefs. Um, we're, we're, maybe we're not going to beat Tampa Bay or Seattle or Baltimore, even with a Will Fuller. That could be the, the thought process and the discussion internally. And they say, let's keep that too. Let's find ourselves, in theory, hopefully for them, um, a really high-level quality player to pair up down the road with, with Jordan Love and, and these guys, they expect to become integral parts of, of the roster two, three years down the road. And they're almost saying, hey, Aaron, deal with it. And good luck trying to get over the hump. It's not going to happen, though, Gary. And, yeah, see, um, so see, I, 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 I know where you're going with this, Robin. I, I, I agree. But, again, this, this is a one-shot deal for the Packers. I don't know if you heard this or not, but there is talk going around that the Packers didn't want to surrender anything more than a fourth round pick. Right. Which, which I find absolutely absurd. I mean, if it was, if it was a third round pick an absolute no brainer in my mind, again, you go back to a proven commodity, a guy that's going to definitely help your offense. And you know what else is, you know, maybe frustrating for, for Packer nation. And you brought this up, you know, several weeks ago, no mention of a defensive player at all. Zero. And that defense is, to me, garbage for the most part. It's not a good defense. Um, I mean, it's well documented they can't stop the run. I mean, we just uh, talked about that a few minutes ago. But, man, uh, you know, very, very disappointing if you're a Packer fan to see them stand pat. Well, Gary, not just stop the run, but opposing quarterbacks now have a passer rating against them of 110. <clears throat> I and mean, that, that's just eye-popping. Is that right? The number last year was 81. So yeah. that, that's gone up 29 points. They, they haven't had an interception, Gary, in a month. They don't take the ball away on that side. It, it, and, and back to your point, and, and maybe this would have been a better path and avenue for a guy like Gutekunst to chase and pursue. And in, instead of getting in, you know, and, and maybe he did. None of us will ever know exactly what happened behind closed doors and what's been going on behind the scenes for the last two or three weeks. But, Gary, I look around the league, for example. Okay, Tampa Bay, the day after, might have even been the same night, that they beat Green Bay two or three weeks ago. They go out and get the defensive tackle McClendon for a six. Yes. Right? Yes. For a six. Yep. We talked Seattle about that last, last week. Yep. Seattle last week goes out and gets Carlos Dunlop, a really good player from the Bengals. He will make a major impact on that defense. Defense that already started to play better last week against San Francisco. But they got Dunlop for a seventh and a journeyman player who was buried on their roster named B.J. Finney. 
Mm-hmm. Saints yesterday went and picked up a linebacker from the 49ers named Quan Alexander for a fifth. I can guarantee you Alexander would have started from day one in Green Bay, made a difference with that run-stuffing lack of run-stuffing unit that the Packers continue to put out there. He'll play big minutes, and he'll play well probably, Gary, for the Saints. And Detroit a couple weeks ago. I was wondering when you were going to bring up your Lions. (laughs) Bringing up my Lions. But but, but you're absolutely right. There's 14, maybe as many as 16 teams this year going to the playoffs. Let's give up a six for Everson Griffin, right? And they went ahead and got that deal done. So maybe Gutekun's better move was on the defensive side of the ball. Because, Gary, all these teams that we just outlined there got really solid players. Absolutely. Crazy cheap. Um, And Green Bay needs a player or two. And they're obviously not going to get it now, but they needed a player or two on the defensive side of the ball. And and that obviously didn't happen. So, yes, I mean, when when you break it all down that way, Gary, a two for Will Fuller is probably too much. Again, I – I'm not in love with Fuller. Is he better than what you have on the roster? No question about it. I mean, these, these guys like MVS and, and Malik Taylor and St. Brown, uh, they're lucky to be on NFL rosters, Gary. Let's, let's just say that, and, and, and that's being nice. Couldn't, couldn't agree um, with you more. Very, very Gary, mediocre at best players. It would have been a huge upgrade going to a Will Fuller. Is, is it too, too high? Absolutely. But I, I, I have no problem with your thought process and, and rationale either that hey and and I've written this Gary the last the last few days it it's almost now or never for the Aaron Rodgers era and the Packers under Rodgers because they're going to have a really hard time next year being better than say a 9 and 7 football team with everything they've got to clear out of their cap wise they're going to lose four five six really good starters Gary this next offseason going into 2021 and you won't find players like that in the 2021 draft um, I can I can promise you that they're going to take a step back next year with, without question. So why not go for it this year? Is it too too much? Absolutely. But maybe they could have found some middle ground and gone with a three. Yeah, I mean, would you, would you have given up a three? I would have. I mean, I, I would have given up two. Given up a, <laughs> at, at, at some point, and Ron Wolf was like this, and uh, Ron Wolf and I talked a lot through the years, especially about the Brett Favre trade, and, and he went back and forth with the Falcons for like 35 days, I think it was, or something like that. And, and the Falcons never came off that number one, and Wolf was trying to do it for a two or maybe a two and a four and things like that. And, and he'd keep calling the Falcons, and they'd go back and forth. And, and Wolf finally just got to a point where he said, bleep it. I'm, you know what? I, I, I'm not winning squat anymore with a broken down Don Mikowski. I, if I don't have a quarterback – I don't have a chance. Exactly. And, and, and if it's going to cost me a one, it's going to cost me a one. Well, we look at it today, it's one of the greatest trades in the history of the National Football League, right? That that the Packers were able to get Brett Favre for a, for a one. He, he reversed the fortunes of, of really the entire organization, and they've had 30 years of success since then. So at some point, you, you, you kind of put your pride on the other side of things, and, and you say, all right, if that's the price, that's the price. Is Will Fuller going to get Green Bay? to an NFC championship. He might, Gary, he, he, he may have. And, and then to your point, it's, it's probably definitely worth the two. Nobody remembers anymore what the Brewers gave up for CC Sabathia, right? It, precisely. Like you know, and Aaron Rodgers made a Sabathia reference during, during his press conference today. Now, again, Will Fuller is not CC Sabathia, but you know what? Compared to MVS and compared to Malik Taylor, he might be. <laughs> yes, they are. You know, you, you were talking about Ron Wolf and that, and that brought to mind, a story. The first time I ever talked to Ron Wolf was I, I think maybe three or four weeks before the Packers hired him. 
and he was with the New York Jets. And he and I had about a half an hour phone conversation. I was gauging his interest in the Packers GM job. And uh, I wrote a story on it for the uh, Racine Journal Times. And that was pre-internet days, okay? And I, I talked to Lee Remmel, you know, who you knew very well, I'm sure. Yep. I, I told Lee that I did this story on, on uh, Ron Wolf, and I, I thought he was just an exceptional talent evaluator, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, can you bring the story with you? <laughs> this Isn't this awesome? I mean, you bring a story instead of, you know, emailing it. Or <laughs> awesome. He said, can you bring the uh, story with me or with when I came to uh, County Stadium to see the Packers play the following Sunday? And I did. I, I gave it to him, and he gave it to Harlan. And uh, they obviously eventually hired him. And I'm telling everybody, I go, yeah, this guy's great. You know, I mean, he, he's going to really turn this franchise around. <laughs> And then I hear that he's giving up a number one pick for Brett Favre. <laughs> I go, are you kidding me? I, I don't think there was anybody in America thought Wolf was in his right mind when he did it. I mean, it was just an incredible move, an incredibly gutsy move. But like you said, one of the greatest trades ever in uh, NFL history. I'll piggyback that just for a second, Gary. When I talked to Wolf several times through the years about that trade, the one thing that still always made me chuckle, as he said, is as soon as that trade got made for about a month or six weeks straight, he would receive like a bag of letters every day, you know, of, of people <laughs> around the state just hammering him. Yes. And can you think of anybody even like writing letters anymore, Gary? When, when <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like down. I mean, we're, we're, we're dating ourselves here, and, and, I, and I'm the same way. I used to I, – I remember I'd, I'd get done writing stories, and people would say, hey, can you send me that article once it runs, you know? And, and yeah. You'd, and you'd put a stamp and you'd stick it in an envelope and, 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 and take it down to your local post office or, or find the big blue box to, to send it out. It, it is funny how, how things were done, but, but I always got a chuckle out of that and a kick out of that when, when Wolf would say, you know, he, he'd get all this, all this hate mail. All these fans would be, be sending him letters like that. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder now, if, you know, if Gutekunst has seen a letter since he, since he took that job. Yeah, we, we, we could devote an entire podcast to – GM's decisions on a player, and I'll always remember one, again, it's not related to the Packers, it's related to the Milwaukee Bucks, when uh, they drafted a guy named Stefan Marbury. Oh, sure. And, and, and they had fans attend the draft night at the Bradley Center, and everybody went nuts. You, you thought they got the second coming of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and uh, – Lo and behold, like about five minutes later, Mike Dunleavy comes trotting up and he announces that they had traded the pick to Minnesota and got Ray Allen. And he just got booed out of the BC. I mean, it was just incredible. Ray Allen, you're, you're getting Ray Allen giving up Stefan Marbury? You, you know, I, I think that trade turned out okay. Yeah, I, I think so too. I was at the Bradley Center that night too, Gary. Oh, were you? Covering that draft for the State Journal back in the day when when I, when I did a little bit of buck stuff for them and, and we'd go cover the draft. I, I remember that extremely <laughs> well. That was, that was a highly entertaining night. That, that was incredible. So, all right. So uh, moving along, I, I hate to quit talking about this uh, trade situation because <laughs> I like you felt that the uh, Packers blew a golden opportunity and we'll see, you know, now they'll probably go on and win the Super Bowl, Right. So uh, we'll, we'll look like geniuses having said that. But moving along to the uh, current Packer roster, we're basically at the uh, midway point, Rob. And who are two guys 
that have really surprised you that that maybe have taken their game to another level? Any any two that stand out? Well, the first to me clearly is Billy Turner, who I, I didn't think was particularly good last year at right guard. And and then they decided to make him a right tackle after losing Brian Bulaga in free agency. And then he was thrust into duty to play left tackle when David Bakhtiari goes down a couple weeks ago with that, with that chest injury that we're still not sure how long that's going to keep him out. I, I always thought Turner was a natural tackle Gary and that he was probably miscast last mm. year, but that, that, that's certainly not, you know, the fault of the Packers coaching staff or anything like that. I mean, they, they had two elite tackles with Bakhtiari and Balaga. There just, there wasn't room for Turner, but when you look at all of Turner's measurables, you know, his height, his arm length, his hands, all that kind of stuff, the, the way he moves his feet, he's a natural tackle. And, and, and when they signed him, I kind of thought that was the writing on the wall for Balaga after the, after the 2019 season that they turn it over to Turner. Well, Turner's been better at tackle than he was at guard, clearly Gary. And, and he's probably showed that he can play a little bit of left tackle too. Now he's, he's mm-hmm. not even close to Bakhtiari's league, but, but all the numbers we went through a little bit earlier, Gary, all the money that is coming due on the books in 2021 for the Packers and the fact they've got to find money to sign a Bakhtiari, to sign an Aaron Jones, to sign a Lindsley. I wonder at the end of the day if Billy Turner doesn't have a future at left tackle in Green Bay. And they that's just a, to let, that's a great observation. Yes. They just decided yes. to let David Bakhtiari walk. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's tough to let a franchise left tackle leave in the prime of his career, but it, it's still, you've, you've got to fit everybody into the numbers, right? It comes down to dollars and cents, mm-hmm. and there's only so much money to go around. They're going to have some really tough decisions to make this offseason. I mean, they, they may have to cut, for example, a Zadarius Smith to bring back a Bakhtiari or, or cut a Preston Smith to, to sign an Aaron Jones. I mean, not, none of us know at this point how the Packers view all these guys. But Billy Turner, in terms of surprise players, has shown, I think, that he can go out there and, and hold up okay. Now, do you want to be okay at that position or do you want to be dominant? That, that's what the Packers will eventually sure, determine. Sure. But I, I think clearly what they have found, though, is they have a, a nice quality tackle there in Turner. He's been surprised, number one, I, I would say to me, Gary. And, and, and number two, it, it, it's a guy who's kind of a forgotten man uh, because he's been dinged the last few weeks. But, but you remember, Alan Lazard was off to just, just a heck mm-hmm. of a start. He, he had 13 catches in those first three games, a couple of touchdowns. Gary, he was averaging about 20 yards a catch. Um, be, before he went out, and 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 I, we're certainly not going to see him Thursday night against San Francisco. I do think there's a chance, though, you see him that following Sunday. He's getting close to coming back. I, I'm I'm sure that factored in today too to the Packers' decision to to not go out and 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 pay high money for a, for a rental player like like a Will Fuller that they said, hey, we have Lazard coming back, and and he actually is a bona fide number two. He's probably a more like a three. If, if you want to be a Super Bowl championship team, Gary, where Lazard becomes your three. And, and really then you're talking about those other guys that we we've touched on the Valdez Scantlings of the world, yeah. the Malik Taylors, the, the, the St. Browns, the Darius Shepherds. I mean, those guys are sixes and sevens. They, they're not, they're not even close to threes or fours. That that's a bunch of nonsense that they're, they're trotting out there on the field there every Sunday. But but Gary, you know, if if they were able to line up with with Adams, Fuller, and Lazard, then then I think you've got something in terms of keeping up with Seattle or 
or the Rams or the Cardinals or the, the Buccaneers or what have you in a, in a shootout. But Lazar will help immensely when they get him back. They've missed him dramatically, I think, Gary. Uh, it's interesting. When I was at the game on Sunday, I don't always watch the ball necessarily. I, I just I watch certain matchups and players on the field. Sure, sure. And, 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 and I watched all those other wide receivers through the course of the day, Gary. Just in all, Minnesota sat in cover two when they shaded the coverage all day long uh, toward Adams. They, ju- they just said, we're not going to let Devontae Adams beat us deep, not going to let him beat yep. us over the top. We're not going to let him kill us like he did in, in week one. And <laughs> they, he did. they learned their, yeah, they learned yeah. their lesson. No they doubt did. He had, I think he had seven for 53 or whatever it was. I know he had the three touchdowns, but he didn't get anything big against them. So I was watching all those other receivers, Gary, and, and Minnesota was just playing with as, as, as big of a hodgepodge lineup in, in, in the back, mm-hmm. you know, in its secondary. They, they, were, they were down about their sixth and seventh corners that day. They had so many guys dinged up and injured and things like that. I mean, it really was remarkable. And, Gary, those other receivers couldn't get any separation. They were not open. Um, Rodgers, there were plays that, again, it, it looked like 2016 all over again as long as he was holding the ball. But there were there were no opportunities through the course of those a, a number of those plays to throw the ball to MVS, right, to throw the ball to Malik Taylor, to, to throw the ball to St. Brown or Shepard. These, these guys, Gary, just, just weren't open. Um, his tight ends came open from time to time, but Minnesota took away Adams to the best of their ability. And really it should have been a field day for somebody like MVS working against a number five mm-hmm. corner. And he just, he couldn't get open. So there you where go. I'm going with that is these other guys have been a huge disappointment. Lazard's going to be a, a, a tremendous help when, when he returns to the lineup, I, I would think probably the Jacksonville game on, on the 15th is, is, is a, is a real distinct possibility for that. Um, I know he's a forgotten man, but he's still one of my surprises, Gary, because I think he took it up quite a bit this year. Well, I'll tell you what, you, you and I are pretty much on the same page. Uh, I, I liked your choices because I had Billy Turner as one of my surprises as well. And uh, his, his versatility is huge. The other guy I put in, in my uh, mix for <laughs> surprise players was Chris Barnes. And uh, I mean, going into the season, I didn't think this kid had a prayer you know, a snowball's chance in hell of even making the team. And uh, he, he did, and obviously right now, get this, Rob, he's got 47 tackles. He leads the Packers in tackles. And I think the next leading tackler for the Packers is uh, Adrian Amos, and he's got 31. I mean, 16 more tackles than the guy behind you. But the other day, I, I talked to a scouting director for an AFC team, and I asked him about uh, Chris Barnes specifically. And I said, what did you think of him? He goes, I, I thought the same thing as the Packers did, that he wasn't draftable. He said, I went to UCLA on several occasions. The coaches said they were not overly impressed that the guy had a history of being nicked up. And, I mean, even Guy, I mean, he's a great guy. They like him and everything else. But they just did not think – he would be an NFL caliber player. And the, this guy told me, he goes, based on what I, I, I saw, based on the conversations I had with the people at UCLA, he said, I didn't even write the guy up. <laughs> he didn't had to even submit a form on this guy. So to, to see what Chris Barnes is doing is, you know, nothing short of amazing. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you for the most part. I, I will say this. If Chris Barnes is a starting linebacker on your football team, you've got issues. There you um, go. There you he, go. And, and, and they do, clearly. 
a, a huge reason Dalvin Cook went wild the other day was the play of the inside linebackers, not just Barnes, but, mm-hmm. but Kamal Martin, too, who was in the wrong gap time and time again. The outside linebackers didn't make any plays. They got Green Bay got manhandled up front at times. Uh, they didn't tackle well at all. Um, Barnes is a nice story, Gary. He, he, he's a nice player. Um, he, he probably shouldn't be any more, though, in theory, than your third or fourth linebacker. Precisely. I, He's their leading tackler. (laughs) Exactly. But again, in terms of surprises, he's a huge surprise because I think it was a, it was, it was borderline shocking. He made the roster B it's, it's remarkable that he's starting and C it's, it's borderline ludicrous that he leads the team in tackles. (laughs) It's a great story. I don't think he's long though for a starting job in green Bay. Okay. Let's uh, move on and pick your two biggest disappointments i mean i'm sure there's a number of uh candidates for this uh title but you're, well, you're they are still g- five and two i mean let, let, let's let's not let's not forget that they, you know we've we've beat them up a little bit through the course of this podcast and, and rightfully so they were dreadful in the viking game i think they blew it again today on on trade deadline day i don't think they're going to advance very far when the postseason arrives in january but again, they are still five and two. They lead the NFC North. They're tied for the second best record in the NFC. But in in terms of disappointments, I, I think the one you circle about fifty times and, and you bring out the biggest yellow highlighter you have, Gary, is is Preston Smith. Um, a guy. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> you and I are on the same page again. Two million dollar contract that he signed in March of of nineteen. He earned every penny of it a year ago when he was a dominant player at times and had double-digit mm-hmm. sacks and uh, teamed with Zedarius to maybe be the best outside linebacking duo in football. Not this year, Gary. Half a sack, one and a half tackles for loss, 15 tackles. I don't think the effort level has been there whatsoever. You don't see him chasing the ball down the, the way you see some other guys. It's like, like, like Amos's efforts, you can never question. He chases. He, he works hard. He, 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 he's in on every play. He never slows down. He might take some bad angles, and he might be a box safety who's a little bit stiff in the hips and limited. But, boy, Amos will try, and, and he'll work hard. You haven't seen that effort level this year out of Preston Smith. You haven't seen it either out of Zadarius Smith. Yeah, Zadarius- do you have any idea why? I mean, I, I mean I, I've heard that Preston Smith uh, is kind of banged up, that, that he's you know, been slowed by injuries. Do you buy that or well, if, do you if, see if something that, else? If that's the case, they're, they're certainly not revealing it over there. And, and, and like we've touched on on the podcast before, Gary, it's certainly a little bit harder this year to get really good, high-level quality information on some of this stuff because the <laughs> locker rooms aren't open. And, and you know from all your years of doing this, when you sit there with a guy for 10 minutes and it's just you and him, you find out a lot of things about that player and his position. Absolutely. the team. And uh, we're in an era, or at least we're in a year, of Zoom calls only. So guys sit there, and, and they say as little as possible because the public relations staff is standing in the same room with them, so nobody wants to rock the boat dramatically, and, and, and people aren't all that forthright and forthcoming with stuff. So if that is True. the case, Gary, with, with Preston Smith, um, I don't I don't know that, and the Packers have certainly kept that quiet. But he has he hasn't been close to the impact player that he was last year. And and when you're paying a guy an average of thirteen million dollars a season, really, <laughs> right. Gary, you know, you're, you're talking almost a million dollars a football game, eight hundred thousand dollars a football game. He better go out and make four or five big plays a game. And Preston Smith is not doing that. And and that's why when I start to talk about twenty twenty one 
and how the Packers are going to stay under the cap and bring back some of these pending free agents and, and, and try to fill out their roster that they're going to have to get rid of a big salary or two along the way. To me, it starts and ends with Preston Smith. Well, you're absolutely correct. I, and I agree with everything you said. What, what I find absolutely incredible, I, I didn't realize this until uh, prior to the show, I looked up Preston Smith's stats, okay? And, and obviously stats don't always indicate what kind of player you are, but he is ranked, or not ranked, he is 12th in tackles on that team. 12th. I mean, that, that's, you know, totally mind-boggling for a guy of his uh, abilities. I mean, at worst, I, I would think he'd be in the top six, top seven, but uh, 12th is, is really unacceptable. If you really watch him, too, and, and this to me, Gary, is, would, would be the disappointing thing if I'm the general manager of that team, the head coach, his positional coach. Mm-hmm. You watch him on film, and, and, and I go back and I always watch the, the games two or three times during the week. His effort level just – and it's tough to question guys on the, in their effort. It just hasn't been the same as last year. So, to your point, I maybe agree. there's something to it with an injury. Um, but he, he's just not chasing the way he did. It's almost like he'll leave that for somebody else to, to go and do. Him and Zadarius both, they, they, they love to try to gobble up sacks late in games. But, but the down-in, down-out consistency – the chasing, the effort level, it just, it just hasn't been the same. And, 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 and I'm tempted to put Zadarius in, you know, in, in, in with my other. I agree. Guy, but I'm, I'm not going to quite go that far, Gary, because he does have the six sacks and the nine TFLs mm-hmm. where his, his numbers aren't terrible, but he, but he's, he, if we had done a, a top three or a top five, Gary, there, there's he, he no question been in. I, I'd put I agree. Zedarius in there. You know, my other guy, though, is, is going to be MVS. The Marquez, oh, this, yeah. this is absolutely incredible. Did you look at my notes? <laughs> but, but we are in total agreement here, you know. Here's a guy, Gary, who, who's been given every chance in this organization to become the number two, the number three, um, and, and, and deserve and earn those snaps. And, and since Lazard has gone down, and, and it really could have been his chance to shine, he just, he just hasn't done anything with it. One catch the other day against the Vikings, uh, again, working against street three agents and seventh-round draft picks, playing cornerback that uh, MVS and, and quality receivers should have just ate alive, Gary. I, I think he had – he had I don't think he had a catch the previous week in Houston. I mean, the guy's just been largely invisible, and he's got all the measurables in the world, right? He runs a 4-3-5-40. He's, he's six foot three and change, a, a large wingspan. Everything about him screams that he should be a quality NFL wide receiver who gets you 60, 70 catches a year. And, and this, this guy faded to black a year ago. Um, you remember he had a reasonable start in, in 2019. And then I think, he only had, I think he only had five catches maybe in the second half a year ago when, when they had those, the two playoff games against Seattle and, and San Francisco, he, he barely saw the field. He had fallen to number five on, on the depth chart for the most part, just because of his, his measurables and, and his potential and his upside, he survived the off season, right? They moved on from the Jake Kumros of the world who, who Aaron Rodgers was in love with because MBS has more potential and he has more upside. But again, this, this is year three, He's had every chance to take advantage um, of the opportunities given him, and he hasn't done it. And, and again, it, it absolutely screams when you look back to the 2020 draft. I will always say I, I have no problem with Brian Gutekunst going quarterback that in, in round one, 
But in round two or three, he needed to get some wide receivers for this football team to have a chance here in 2020. And, and, that, and he blew it there as well, um, taking A.J. Dillon and, and then the tight end to Gara. Um, so I just – I think at the end of the day, MVS has had every opportunity presented to him. He's wasted them. He's blown them. And, and he is number two for disappointment. There you go. You, you uh, summed it up very well. And I, I totally agree. MVS is, he's had every opportunity to emerge as the number two receiver, you know, behind Adams. And he hasn't done it. I mean, he's got 16 catches in seven games. I mean, that, that, that's not very good. And get this, Rob, he's had four catches, four in the last three games. So. And, yes. that, and that's when Lazard was down and, and he was playing 60 snaps plus a game, Gary, you know, where he was given, again, every chance. He's, he's not playing 15 snaps, right? I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's out there on, a, on almost every down and distance possible. And, and he's getting opportunities. And um, Rodgers is throwing, them, throwing him the ball from, from time to time. But, again, he's one of those guys I put the binoculars on and watch really closely on Sunday. And, he, he, again, a guy who runs 4-3-5 can't get separation – on street free agent cornerbacks. It, it's just unacceptable, Gary. And I would certainly guess that this is his last, you know, nine games as a Packer. Yeah. You know, uh, a few weeks, weeks ago, we were ready to anoint uh, Russell Wilson, the MVP award. And uh, he was absolutely sensational. I agreed with you. And uh, we thought it was pretty much a two man race at that time between he and Aaron Rodgers. Um, things have changed as you expect but at the halfway point, who's your front runner now for MVP? Well, it's still Russell, and, and I haven't looked at the Vegas odds, Gary. Uh-huh. I think he's the he's the, he front, is the front runner. Yes, probably still in Vegas. He he had a nice bounce back game Sunday. Um, you know, he he had the three interception game the previous week against Arizona, and and that that's going to happen. Um, but but that team is is six and one without mm-hmm. a defense without any running backs the last couple of games, Gary, they're, they're number one, uh, Chris Carson, and then their number two, Carlos Hyde are, are both out right now. Um, and, and Russell's just putting that team on his shoulders and, no, and no question. the victory. I mean, Patrick Mahomes to me is back in the race after a pretty big game. I all bited against the jets. It was, it was another big game. I, I don't know how a guy like Mahomes is ever out of an MVP race or MVP discussion, but what, what I would say is, is Mahomes has a lot more um, quality in terms of just personnel around him right now, mm-hmm. Gary. In, you know, in, in addition to all those weapons that he has, Hill and Kelsey and, oh. and rookie running back out of LSU, and now they sign Le'Veon Bell, right, and Sammy Watkins and, and, and just guys coming out of every corner who can take the ball to the house. I mean, that is, that is one loaded offense. On top of that now, Gary, the Chiefs are playing terrific defense. I, I went back and looked. I, I think in the last – going back to, like, December 1 of last year, the only team in the league that's – you know, so it's over about the last 12 or 14 games. The only team in the league that's allowed fewer points than, uh, than Kansas, Kansas City, City is Baltimore. Yeah. Kansas City's number two in points allowed. So not, not only are, you know, are they playing outstanding on offense, as usual with Mahomes, now he's been given a defense. So, so Patrick Mahomes has a lot more to work with. Um, what are they? They're probably about six and one as well, right? They just have the one mm-hmm. loss, I, I believe, to the Raiders. You know, Russell has the same record and certainly not the same level of talent. He's got he's got two high level wide receivers. They've got a few pieces on defense. I think they'll get it figured out on defense, and I think they'll win the NFC when it's all said and done. Uh, Gary, them or Tampa Bay, 
But uh, if Seattle is, is going to finish 12 and 4, 13 and 3, it's going to be because of Russell, and then Russell Russell's going to win the MVP. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you again. We are agreeing way, way too much again. <laughs> uh, although I'll, I'll say this, I, I would if if somebody asked me right now, I would lean towards Mahomes. And uh, you, you look at his 21 touchdowns and one interception. He's got a 115 passer rating, and and Wilson isn't very far behind. He's got more more touchdown passes, 26 but also five more interceptions, and he's got a 120 pass rating. And then the two guys that I still think are, are definitely in the mix yet are Rodgers and Brady. I mean, both are having outstanding years. Rodgers, 20 touchdowns, two interceptions, 113 pass rating. Brady, 20 touchdowns, four interceptions, 103 rating. To me, any of those guys could win it. I mean, they, they are cl- clearly above everybody else. Uh, do you see anybody else uh, that that could possibly challenge him for that uh, award? Well, I'm with you that they're probably the top four candidates right now. Brady's the guy who's who's really sneaky because that schedule's yes. not not difficult at all. I mean, Tampa could run the table, get to 14 and two, 13 and three, and and I think he'd get a lot of votes um, as being the winner of that divorce with, with Belichick. I, I think, <laughs> I think that storyline would play extremely well to a lot of the voters that, you know, New England goes, because not only is it going to be what Brady does with Tampa Bay, right. But if New England bottoms out Gary and they go yes. four and 12 or yes. something like that and, and have the sixth pick in the draft or, or whatever it is, uh, Tom Brady's going to look even better based on the fact that Belichick and the Patriots bottom out, but I'll give you two more dark horses, right. Okay. Pittsburgh's still on. Uh, you, you know what? Uh, you beat me to the punch. My sleeper pick. Go ahead. I, I, I think I, I know you're saying. Yep. This race, I, and I don't have his numbers in front of me. I'm guessing you might, Gary. But but let's say the Steelers find a way to go 15 and one, 14 and two, after they were about 500 without Big Ben last year. He gets a lot of points for taking a team that was a that was a mediocre group last season, right? And 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 leading them maybe to the number one seed in the AFC. Let's see how the rest of the year plays out. I think he's a real dark horse, and and I don't know what his odds are in Vegas. I, I would think he's you know down the road, down the line a little bit, but he might be worth throwing fifty bucks on. Um, yes. I'm going to give you one more sleeper. Okay, he's going to wind up putting up big numbers, and he might be as as fun as anybody in the league to watch. And that's Kyler Murray in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very very sneaky that that team is five and two right now, isn't it, Gary? What, very what much if they so. Find a way to jump up to go twelve and four and um, I mean, honestly, watching Murray is like watching a guy on a video game. You remember that old Tecmo Bowl game uh, where Bo Jackson would just kind of run over people all day long? And, yeah, um, yeah that, exactly. That, 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 that was one of the more enjoyable video games of my youth, Gary. As, as soon as you picked Bo Jackson and you picked the Raiders, you knew you were going to win against whoever you were playing. Kyler Murray is kind of like that. Um, boy, he just – He's like watching a guy playing a video game. He's just got a he's got a a sixth gear. Not just he doesn't get just get up to fifth gear. He gets up to sixth, and 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 it, it's just remarkable some of the things he does does on a football field, going against world class athletes and making them look slow and things like that. Not not only does he throw the ball so remarkably well because he's got just sensational touch on some of these throws, Gary. He's usually the fastest player on the field. I mean. So, so if Murray finds a way to take the Cardinals, let's say to 11, 12 wins after probably going what five, I don't have it in front of me, but five and 11 or whatever they were last year. And they take that kind of jump and he ends up with 40 touchdowns or something like that. I think he's a real dark horse as well. So I'm with you on who the top four are right now, but I don't, I don't think you can throw away big Ben and Kyler Murray quite yet. 
Nope, I, I'm on the same page with you as well on those two. You know, we mentioned all quarterbacks. I'll tell you one guy that I think is really flying under the radar and is having just a hell of a season is Elvin Kamara of the Saints. The guy has 55 receptions. Do you believe that? 55. That is unbelievable in seven games, huh? Yeah, and he's, he's second, Rob, in receiving in the NFL. And then, of That's course – He catches a game, Gary. That is just crazy. It is. And, of course, if you saw the Packers-Saints game, you know how good this guy is. And then he also has 431 yards rushing. I mean, this, this kid is doing it all. I mean, just a very talented guy. And, you know, the other guy, I mean, he doesn't have a prayer, but Derrick Henry from Tennessee, I mean, he's the league's leading rusher, and he's the leading rusher by far. I mean, he, he's got 775 yards already. And, uh, you know, but again, it, it, it's a quarterback's league, and unless you do something totally, totally incredible, you know, a, a running back simply isn't going to get the award, you know. I think the last running back to win it was Adrian Peterson in the year he went over 2,000 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, takes, it takes something like that to happen because, I mean, you're, you're spot on. Anybody that watched Tennessee in the playoffs last year reached the AFC title game, they understand the, the, the Titans did that on the legs of Derrick Henry, right? The Saints are 5-2 and two and have a four-game winning streak despite Michael Thomas being out for this, this lengthy period of time, which, which is a, another totally weird and bizarre story uh, that, that a soft tissue injury has kept him out this length of time. But who <laughs> of was course it up? has, right? <laughs> right. It, it's, it's Alvin Kamara who has jumped in there, and he's probably got 1,000 total yards, right, in, in seven yeah. games and in all, in all these touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, th- th- those are two outstanding candidates, but you're spot on that at the end of the year, the voters are going to see Mahomes throw 50 touchdowns, right, or, or Russell Wilson even throw 60 or whatever his number is going to wind up being, and the running backs get forgotten about, and they finish fifth in the balloting. So um, it, it, it would take Derrick Henry to probably get to 2,400 yards or something like that to pass a Mahomes or to pass a Russell uh, th- this particular year. And, and, and as good as he is, it, something like that probably just isn't happening. So it's probably going to end up being a quarterback – but you, but you hit two really, really high-level candidates there, Gary, and those running backs. Well, thank you very much. I'll be here all night, or at least for another five minutes. <laughs> hey, before we uh, call it a wrap on our, our, our podcast, and Rob, th- this is another scintillating podcast <laughs> in reference I, I, to last I, I, week. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's right. That was the word of the week. Yeah, that, that was the word of the week. You know, so <laughs> anyways, hey, before we do wrap it up, I, I want to talk about the uh, COVID situation. It uh, finally hit the Packers uh, last week, and uh, Dylan came down with it. And I, I'm trying to remember, did any other Packers uh, contract it? So as we do the podcast now, Gary, it's only A.J. Dylan, but, but they've also put – uh, running back Jamal Williams and linebacker Kamal Martin yes. kind of on the COVID list. They were just in close contact in quarters with Dylan. So it's the, you know, it's the contact tracing that, that is going to end up getting those two. They will not play in the 49er game. Um, but it, it, AJ Dylan was the only one who did test positive. Okay. You know, at uh, at the time oh, we're doing, at least at the time we're doing this podcast, Gary. Yeah, exactly. You know, the NBA uh, drew rave reviews for its handling of the COVID situation. And, and Major League Baseball, you know, stubbed its toe early and then kind of rebounded nicely. And, and, and 
both those leagues, I thought, did, you know, commendable jobs of, of dealing with, with this virus. But I'll tell you what, the NFL, to me, has done an incredible, incredibly good job of dealing with this. Well, when you consider how many players they have, how many pers- staff personnel they have, I mean, you're talking about a lot of people, and yet they have uh, kept the uh, virus to a minimum. I, I couldn't agree with you more. They're, they're not in a bubble like some of these other teams uh, or some of these other sports like, like the NBA did and, and baseball certainly tried to ward itself off from the world as much as possible and obviously did so when the postseason arrived. Um, no, Gary, the, the NFL gets beat up for a lot of things and, and justifiably so in, in many of those situations and instances. But, but I, I, I think it's remarkable that we've, we've hit the, the midway point of the season and Gary, they, they haven't had to surrender or cancel any of these games whatsoever yet. They've juggled some, they've moved them around, mm-hmm. but these teams have been flexible. The, the league has been flexible. You know, you, you've had an outbreak in a, co- a couple different cities on, on a few instances. Uh, it's finally hit green Bay now here in, in what week nine. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's inevitable. I mean, it's, you, you can't run and hide from a virus your whole life. It, it, it was going to get somebody at some point in time, probably in every city, Gary. I don't want to turn this into a, a big COVID discussion and, and make it political or anything like that. But it's, you know, the, the league itself has done a remarkable job with, with the daily testing, the quick turnarounds, the results they're getting. I think the teams have done an outstanding job in keeping people away from each other in the buildings. Even something as simple, Gary, if, you know, two guys get within four or five feet of each other, a little, a little alarm or a buzzer on, on some of these guys will go off. Um, just saying you are too close. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, you, you, you do have to go out and live your life. And, and, and at times you're going to come in close quarters with people. It's, it's impossible to stay six feet away from somebody or from everybody in society forever. So again, some of this stuff is going to trickle in, but in general, the fact that we're sitting here in week nine and, and we're still talking that the season is rolling along and, and we're talking about how playoff matchups look and, and, and things like that is, is crazy. Crazy impressive to me, Gary. I, I think the league has done uh, an outstanding job on this. I, I don't think a lot of people would have thought we'd get to this point without any major interruptions or a shutdown of a team for a month or something like that. would look like Wisconsin Badger football, right? <laughs> Shutting it down for a couple of weeks and missing games and things like that. So no, in, in general, Gary, I think the league has done well. And, and, and for all you know, practical purposes, I think, the overwhelming majority of players deserve credit too, because these, these are 25 year old guys on average with a ton of money in their pocket and the ability to run around and, and, and do some things that not everybody else in society can do. And I think they've kind of taken, um, you know, I think Rogers used the term today, kind of an internal, a solemn pledge to each other to, mm-hmm. to respect what's going on out there and, and to respect the team and the teammates and, and put and, and take the whole approach, right. Of team is greater than I. And I, I think the majority of these guys have, have done that Gary and practice ends and they go home and they're hermits and, and they're not running around the way they would in a, in a normal year. So the fact we've hit week nine right now, Gary, with, with so few hiccups and interruptions is really impressive. Oh yeah. I, again, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, week nine and the Packers have had one guy. I mean, think about it. One guy, you know, getting back to the NBA. I mean, the NBA, if I'm not mistaken, was each team was allotted, I think 33 people to come to the bubble. Okay. Players, coaches, you know, team personnel. 
how many people do you think are on an NFL team, players, coaches, and administrative staff, et cetera, doctors, you know, whatever? What, what, what number do you think each team has? Man, I mean, there's – It's got to be close to 100, right? Oh, it's way over 100, Gary. Yeah. When you start to figure in how deep that roster goes, 20-plus coaches, uh, PR people, mm-hmm. like, like you said – team doctors, front office guys that would travel most times. We're talking probably a good 150, Gary. Really? You yes. think it's that many? Okay. I, I was thinking about 110 or something, but 150, wow. That's a lot of people. Yeah, you're bring, you know, you're bringing a half a dozen PR guys along, you know, the, the doctors, the equipment guys, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, I, I know, you know, you're, you're not traveling with, with 70 players or, or whatever it is mm-hmm. when you factor your practice squad guys and, and, and guys on IR and things like that. But, but those guys are around the building, right, Gary? Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they're still there the majority of, of the time. You know, the, the practice squad guys still go to practice. The IR guys are in there doing their rehab. So you might have a couple hundred people roaming around the building on a given day. Yeah, I mean, who who is the uh, director of the NFL's uh, COVID situation? Any idea? I mean, the guy. No, I, I don't know that name. No. I mean, the uh, the the next president should uh, <laughs> definitely consider him to uh, run the country because uh, whatever he's doing, he's doing a you know fantastic job. So I I agree. I I really think league wide, ninety nine point nine nine percent of these guys have totally bought in. You're you're gonna get the one knucklehead here and there who says I need to go out and do this with the boys or this with, with the, with the gang or whatever it is. And uh, aside from that, Gary, I, I think these guys on a whole have completely bought in and that that's the only reason we're sitting here in week nine with so few interruptions is, is because it really has been a league wide effort. They fully understand the only way they would have a season in 2020 is if everybody bought in. And for the most part, everybody has. Rob Reichel. It was an absolute blast again. Thank you for your uh, thoughts and insights and everything else. And uh, thank you to our growing number of listeners. Each week, the numbers are going up, so that's good to see. So thank you to everyone, and take care. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com. 